Welcome to the Press Plane Run podcast, the podcast for runners that don't really know they're runners, put a stick on their trainers, press play and run just in case. Press Plane Run will give me, Ryan, or Scottish runner to some of you on Instagram, the chance to shine a light on everyday runners from clubs and couches across the United Kingdom and beyond. Each week, we'll delve into everything from park runs to playlists, trainers to tantrums and mini runs to marathons. We will look to shine a light on the stories of some incredible everyday runners from the running community and hold them hostage until they pick a track to add to the Press Play and Run playlist, which you can search for and add on Spotify. So whether you're dragging yourself off the couch or taking your first tentative steps in running, or you're one of those weird people in vests at the front of the pack, we look forward to joining you every other week on your long runs to keep you company and entertained. Until then, your only job is to press play and run. Welcome to episode 5 of Press Play and Run. The introductions are a little bit different. I have episode 1 guest Alison Jardin checking back in with us one day prior to taking off for Tokyo to chase that six-star medal. Alison, how are you doing? I'm good, thank you, and thanks for having me back on. Usual Ryan style, I text Alison about 15 minutes ago to see if I could steal 15 minutes of her time. But the reason I wanted to get you, Alison, is this will be the introduction to Joe Wilkinson's episode and that actually arrived through your recommendation. Yeah, no, I've been uh, lucky enough to meet Joe a few times now down in London, um, so I am so excited for this podcast. We will throw to that really soon, but there's another reason for wanting to check in with you today. You do fly out to Tokyo, as we said, and for anybody who's not listened to episode one, Alison is going to Tokyo and is hopeful of completing the race and earning her six-star major finisher medal. Can you run me through just how that training has gone between speaking to you the last time? You were seven weeks out, mm-hmm. um, if I remember. So how's that been? How's the, how's the run-up been in the taper? Honestly, and I'll just be honest because I always am, uh, it's been the worst training block I've ever had. Um, which in a way is quite funny because obviously the first world major I did was a bit of a disaster. So um, it's almost kind of ending the way it started. But no, I think I've learned enough now to know that although it's not been perfect, that's okay. It, um, when I say it's not been great, obviously we had really bad weather, which made it hard to get out. Um, I then picked up a glute injury that just seemed to spread all down my left hand side. And then last week I ended up with a virus. So pretty much everything that could go wrong has. But again, that's not to say that you can't still run well. Like I raced yesterday and had a good run. So I'm hopeful that I'll go out there and just give it everything I've got. You also failed to mention the fall that you had. Oh, yeah. Well, right after we spoke. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, that actually really didn't help, funnily enough, because um, it was quite a bad one. Um, Like, it is funny, but when I, I was running downhill and fell, which doesn't help because you just go flying further. Um, and I did give myself like a hit on the head and my knee, both my knees. And the person's house that I fell outside, he was like, I just saw you. And then I did. And, and he's shouting over the wall, are you OK? And I actually had to go into his house and get cleaned up, which was really kind of him. And it turned out that he was a marathon runner back in the day as well. So even when I fall, I find uh, fellow runners to talk to. Even when Alison falls and she's bloodied her knees, she still finds somebody to bore about running. Unbelievable yeah. effort. Um, but we'd only just spoken about like falling, yeah. I think, two days before. And then you sent me a picture and I felt, uh, not, I wouldn't say guilty because it's your own fault for being so clumsy. But 
I, I feel like being on press plane run, nothing but bad things have happened to you since. So let's hope it's not a curse. Uh, I was going to say, and I think uh, I inspired others to fall um, <laughs> last weekend, didn't I? Um, so yeah, do, try not to do that. That's definitely not a good training approach. I had visions of creating this community where we all shared the positive stories and it was all kumbaya and all I've had is pictures of people bleeding and saying, oh, I fell too. So <laughs> I don't know. We've started something. It's not really what we intended, but we started something. Yeah. Um, you mentioned you raced yesterday, so I know that was the Track 105 series. Yeah. And I came to watch you in the 10K a few weeks ago and you won that. Uh, congratulations on that. So yesterday was a half marathon version of the track 105 and for anybody who is unaware it is exactly what it sounds like it is. It's racing over relatively long distances on a running track. So Alison competed against some very, very talented athletes yesterday and won the, the race again. So yeah. double track 105 winner. Well done. How was that? Thank you. Do you know, I just love it. It's such a different event from anything you'll ever do. Like it's certainly not trail um, or road, but it's so different. And I mean, I think you saw when you were there that the, the encouragement you get every 400 metres, you're not going to get that on any other long run. Um, so my intention was just to use it as that final run before Tokyo. But you know how competitive I am. So, you know, I didn't make it as easy as I was meant to, but it was brilliant. And, you know, there was great support there. Weather could not have been better yesterday. And I would encourage anyone. I know you've been doing like little shout outs for local events, but there's still the marathon, which is at the end of March. I think there's places, but definitely next year, if anyone fancies it, they'll be back on. Well, if anybody's a big enough lunatic to want to run that marathon around the running track, I'll share the link to the sign-up. Um, so I'll get that link from you and I'll pop that into the episode description. You're off to Tokyo tomorrow. Uh, all the packing's done. All the training's it done. It's now going to be what it's going to be and you're going to go and do your victory lap. How is the logistical side of it? I saw something through the week about water. They put something out about water and you can't bring containers. Is, are these sort of logistical challenges impacting you? It's the strangest rules I think I've ever seen in any marathon ever. I'm probably fortunate enough that I'm happy enough with water on the course, but I know that a lot of people obviously use like mix like mixes in water. They don't carry with them and that's just not allowed. Um, you're not allowed to take water or food into the start either. They have changed the rules on warm clothes because, you know, we usually put warm clothes on and then throw them away and they usually give them to charity. That was an absolute no. And I, that was concerning me because, you know, what it's like in the morning, yeah. it's be cold. But I, they took the feedback on board. So um, that was the only thing bothering me. Other things that I don't really have to think too much about because I was never considering it is uh, not running naked, not running with a sword. <laughs> 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 the weirdest, honestly, like the weirdest rules that I've ever read. Um, I'm never but, signing up for that one then. That's, no. two, that's two of my three things I look for when I'm signing up. Yeah, but um, do you know what the thing is? It's, it is very different in a lot of respects. Um, but we're going to a different country, so you've got to be respectful of their rules. And obviously, they're still they're very cautious of COVID. So yeah. there's reasons for a lot of this as well. Yeah, it's a, it's a really tough one because, as you said, you, you're going, you're a guest in somebody else's country, customs, culture, absolutely has to be respected. But there are also practicalities to mm -hmm. things that are pretty standard practice and especially major marathons. So yeah. I can imagine if you are running with a gel mix or a, a sachet mix in there, that's going to throw off. They say never try something new in a marathon day. For a lot of people, that's going to lead to having to do something new on marathon day, which is 
even yeah. if it's psychological, that's a challenge. I think so. And it's just a little, I know you shouldn't litter anyway, but, you know, at London and other marathons, we're quite fortunate that you can take the drink and throw it beside where you've taken the drink and one of the volunteers will kindly pick it up. But you're absolutely not meant to like litter at all. You hold everything at this one, which again, like you say, it's just like little things, but, you know, try to put a gel packet back in your belt when you're trying to run. Well, yeah. you know what I'd like, there's probably yeah. a chance of all. You're going to stack it at that point. Please don't do that. I'm sure you'll adapt. You'll overcome that. You've That experience you spoke about, that's obviously helping to keep you grounded when maybe your training's not been exactly on point because you know you've been over the course before. You're not freaking out as badly. So hopefully on the day that experience helps as well. I, I feel, I think, more for anybody that's going out for the first time and has yeah. had a rigid plan in their head. But it'll be it'll be something to learn from for everybody, I'm sure. And as you said, you just make the best of, of what it is. And I'm sure Tokyo will be beautiful for it as well. Yeah, do you know, that's what I'm most excited about. I think I, I, we said this last time we spoke, Tokyo was never going to be about a time for me. This was like the sixth star and take it in. And do you know what? Like the more that I see what the course is like and what you're going to see on the way around and the people, like it just, it's starting to feel so real now. I'm like really excited. And for the first time ever, I've not actually had Touchwood Maranoia yet because I'm now just like thinking about this whole like trip. It's not just a marathon. It's getting to go to what looks like one of the most amazing countries. So I'm really excited. Nice one. Nice one. And I saw the nails are ready. Oh, uh, yeah. I don't know if you can see them. Uh, I'll share the picture. I'll share the picture on Instagram. What was that one with the... So if you're looking at the picture of it, there's one that's sort of multicoloured white. So they are... Um, so we've we've done a mix, or we, I didn't obviously do them, but the multicoloured one is the ribbon of the medal. Ah, that was the only one I couldn't figure mm-hmm. out. The rest the rest are quite yeah. obvious. And the one, uh, I mean, like, how, it's just so talented that he's actually managed to paint the course map. I saw that. My nails. <laughs> I'm just like, wow. Not only did I see it, I was able to recognise it. So that's how good the job has been done. Well, I'll let him know. <laughs> uh, that's outstanding, outstanding effort. Um, you told me yesterday, you sent me a wee message after I sent you a cheeky message about running too fast and a, what was meant to be a cam race for you, as if yeah. that ever exists. Um, you told me that, that you had some nice reactions to you being on the podcast previously. So I wanted to ask a wee bit about that, where we can blow our own trumpet and just tell me a wee bit about the reaction you've had generally from the episode being out until now? Oh, it's been absolutely astounding. I mean, I think from the minute the first one came out, we got really good feedback, didn't we? But it's actually encouraged so many people to run. So Sandy, my husband, works offshore, and he's actually had people that he works with started to run. They've maybe ran when they were young, and it's completely inspired them, and they've gone to park runs because they've heard us talk about it. Um, And then yesterday, three people came up to me at the race and just said how brilliant it was. And one person actually said, do you know, I was kind of losing like my motivation and mojo, but listening to like a podcast like that was so inspiring. Um, And I think it's been the same with every single one. They've all been brilliant. And I'm sure the rest that you've recorded as well will be. Uh, The feedback's been so good. I've put that out there. People have seen that from my own account and the feedback towards me and what I've done. and, And it's, as it's an uplifting thing you can't help but feel a bit proud of that but i've been even more pleased by the feedback that the guests are getting on it because it's their story i am just asking questions and learning as much as as i can from the people as well but it's really nice so to anybody who has listened and given the people speaking feedback thank you for that i hope you keep doing that because they're giving up their time for free to speak to me but also 
it starts to get people over that, or oh, I'm just this, or I'm just that. If I hear one more time, somebody saying oh. I'm just anything, when everybody I've spoken to has their own unique challenge, incredible story, nobody's just anything. Everybody's running. Everybody's a runner. I It's really, see when somebody says that to me, it makes me feel a bit, because I hate when people say, oh, I'm just a runner, or I'm not that good. And it's like, but do you know, you are a runner. You put your trainers on and you run. Yeah. Um, but I, and I know you've not mentioned it, but I, you obviously got a shout out in Herald, which was absolutely amazing um, at the weekend there, um, which just shows how much it's taken off. And I know you're saying that everyone shares their stories, but you kind of bring it out in each person and it's come across so well. The pos- like, yes, the people doing the podcast um, have had positive feedback, but you also do because the way that you help tell the story is amazing. I've, it's it's been made easy it really has because people have been so chatty and if I think of somebody like Bob Pokemon openly saying he feels like he had imposter syndrome for even being asked with incredible <laughs> things he's doing to introduce new runners to the sport and the feedback he's had long may that continue and you're right I, thankfully you've reminded me about that I, I've forgotten to even make a wee note for myself thank you very much to Susan Swarbrick for including us in the top outdoor podcast roundup in the Herald magazine this weekend. That's a, a huge accolade this early in the podcast journey. And if it just helps to bring some more eyes and ears towards what we're doing, then uh, bring it on. And I'm hoping to get a run in with Susan. And I've actually been pestering her from the beginning to come on too, because she's someone who relatively recently has returned to running oh, okay. um, from quite a long hiatus, trail running. So I will get her on. I'll wear her down at some point logistics on the day do you know what happens at the end of the race in terms of six star medal is that presented on the day yeah it's going to be a bit crazy so i don't think i've told you this but i they're expecting that we're all going to be in the guinness world week records um because there's it's going to be the biggest amount of people ever collecting their six stars at one major now obviously that's because of covid and yeah Yeah. um they're expecting three thousand finishers now, I think when we spoke, we thought it was about 1,000, so that number has jumped considerably. It, it was. I think they had it slated about 1,200, just under mm-hmm. 1,200 at that point. So it's really gone up. What they've had to do is actually have two tents. So I won't know which colour I am until I pick up my number, but you'll be directed to one tent to obviously try and keep the queues down a little bit. Um, and then there's not – I don't – obviously, I don't know how it usually works. I've not done it before, but I think they maybe used to have like a bit of a party kind of tent thing but because obviously of having the big groups I think there's still a concern around that um so I don't think I think you get your picture behind the background and things like that but um in terms of like official parties and things there's not one oh right okay so I'll make my own that's there's there's something nice about that though how many people will be sharing in that mm-hmm. moment uh, but it's still such a low number relative to marathon runners but you'll probably never again have an event where that many are coming through and getting it in one go? No, I don't think so. I mean, this is incredible. I'm sure when I looked it up, there, the most there's ever been was about the high 200. So this is yeah. massive. So it's actually nice. Um, you were able to uh, purchase, because obviously I'll buy everything possible, an additional <laughs> medal for being in <laughs> the Guinness World Book Records. So I'll get my Tokyo medal, the six star, and then this additional one. So all the blame. You're going to come back like an 80s gangster rapper. I will. <laughs> I'll send you the picture. Well, in terms of my own training, I finished week three of my Edinburgh Marathon plan. I've been using the Cooper 
coach running app. As I'd said to you, Alison, I sent a plan to you, remember, at the beginning? Yeah. Um, that I'd sort of cribbed from online, put my club races in. I found it to be really, really, really good in terms of two things. One, very, it makes you accountable. So mm -hmm. it's got that, I think, what they call gamification. So you get your streaks for hitting your days. and But it's also, more importantly, giving me variety within the sessions. So rather Which than... Is really important. Yeah. So I'm not just doing a 10K. I'm not just doing, you know, the 60 miler. There's a bit of marathon pace in there. There's easy days. There's your interval sessions, which when I can't make the club, gives me the foundation mm -hmm. to go on. So I'm I'm really enjoying taking the thinking out of the planning because what I'm finding three weeks in is that I've managed to hit every run so far, which is a, a great place to start. I'm probably a bit ahead of where I should be because I was training in the weeks before with people that were training for London, mm -hmm. some for Boston. So I've been training for probably doing their long runs with them beforehand. So my mileage started ahead of plan. Um, but I, I'm constantly tired at the moment and yeah. I'm, I'm sore. The volume, I can feel the volume. Um, I'm trying to keep on top of the stretch and strength and conditioning, but it is the first thing for me that slips because yeah, I don't really want to do it and be time becomes squeezed. Um, I'm trying to stay on top of it, but I'm tired and more than anything else, I'm hungry. Like, All the time. honestly, I could eat my body weight day in, day out at the moment. And that's, I don't think I was really prepared for that. I'm like coming 10 o'clock at night and I feel like I want to eat another whole meal, which I'm trying to resist the urge to yeah. do. So the, these are new things for me. So see, being able to take out the planning thought that's that's a help because all those other things are occupying headspace mm -hmm. it's interesting because um i mean you've hit the nail on the head so i was actually speaking to my friend that's coming to london um and we went to boston as well and she was like just saying to me today i'm i'm tired now and i mean that's i think seven weeks out from london almost and I was like, yeah, yeah, but that's the point you feel tired. Like we all start to doubt everything because the legs don't want to move, but it's because you're increasing the mileage. But you've hit the nail on the head because although you're just finishing week three, you actually almost started well ahead, didn't you? Yeah. Because yeah. You were doing the longer runs, but you were also going to the park runs and absolutely smashing those times. I mean, you're now at a sub 19, aren't you? Yeah. Um, so you are probably what maybe really at about week six or seven so that is the tired stage and yeah. the, the the eating thing is so normal i mean it, i know what you mean about trying not to do it because obviously you have to be conscious of like you don't want you want to be your optimum race weight on the day but also you are burning so many calories because you're you're increasing the mileage week on week so it is important to to remember that and i've heard so many people and this is a bit like the oh I, you know i'm not a real runner the amount of people that say to me oh i'm hungry but um you know i, I don't want to put on weight so i'm not going to eat and i'm like but you're yeah. on, a long run, on a long run you're going to burn what about 1500 sometimes 2000 calories yep. you need to replace that and because you know yourself the muscles need like the, the fuel yep. and so do you so i can feel the recovery i can feel the lack mm -hmm. of recovery when i don't eat enough it's not i'm not trying to limit and not eat at 10 after 10 or anything like that mm -hmm. the problem for me is when you're not organized to eat at that volume the things you start to eat yeah, are, it's, it's are not often, right no, it's not helping recovery. It's not replenishing anything. It's usually more along the junk side of things. It's not doing you very much good except putting almost empty calories in. Yeah. So uh, I've been, I've actually been using Instagram, which, which I use for most of my running to pick up 
bits and pieces and um Kaylee that so I think her handles the happy diet. She is training oh, for she's training for an ultra and she's she's vegan, um plant based foods. But I look at some of what she's producing and it's not overly complex but it looks amazing uh, uh, i mean I, i've said that i sent her a message the food she makes just makes me hungry um, <laughs> to put it out there but it's also an eye opener just into the volume that she's managing to keep uh -huh. on top of it as well and I, and I need to start turning my head towards that organization of that a bit more because this volume is only going to increase mm -hmm. and the hunger that comes with it otherwise i'm just going to keep reaching for the things you shouldn't be you know the crisps the sweets the the quick uh -huh. fix um but yeah, i mean the the other thing i would say probably noteworthy for me so far three weeks in is the difference it makes long running together with somebody um i ran with kirsten our friend yesterday she took me uh, on a wee route down the clyde canal path and absolutely horrified me with like telling me stories of all the near misses she's had with <laughs> with people and as much as there's a funny element of it it is horrific the amount of things that's in her head having to run down a path and what she's watching for we ran for 13 miles i think about 13 miles and i think i looked at my watch twice the whole time and anybody that knows kirsten knows she checks her watch every 14 seconds usually yeah, so far for us to be running and chatting like that the miles just disappear so mm -hmm. if you are training and training on your own I, i'm telling you this is not a personal preference thing i've run a motor for seven years you're doing yourself a disservice find yourself a group, find yourself a network and, and run together because those long runs don't need to be as daunting and as in your head as you make them when you run yourself because I've been there. Yeah, it's so funny because Kirsten came round um, to give me a lovely present on Friday night and we and she said she was running with you. And I said that to her, I said, you know, in the last five weeks, I've actually gone out with the guys um, that I train with like June in the week and done the Sunday runs with them and you know what, it has absolutely been a game changer. It's got me, I don't know, especially when I was kind of struggling with that glute niggle I don't know if I'd have got through the long runs but like you say, you don't look at your watch once, you're chatting and you're seeing a new route and it's good to actually get each other to pick routes, that's another good yeah. one because you're going somewhere you don't know so it's not like oh right there's that but I've only done five I've still got ten to go it's completely different I was just running I was running and just saying tell me when we're turning you know you're not even thinking about the distance because you don't know where you particularly are so you trusted her yeah. but, but it's also <laughs> it was also so nice just catching up with her we were just chatting and we haven't run together except part run at which point you're running away from each other we hadn't run together for such a long time, probably down by the river since we had our last proper yeah. catch up and run couple of years because of COVID and everything that goes with it. All that's left to do, Alison, is to wish you the very best of luck in Tokyo. There'll be so many people dot watching when you share your number. You have the support of all of us that, that have listened to your first episode, that have followed your journey and just want you really to go and get everything from that day that you're looking for. Don't care about the time, don't care about anything else. The achievement at the end is what this one's about. No, thank you so much. And I'd just like to say thanks to everybody because I've had so many nice messages. And um, is it so? I don't like, I'm also even thinking about it now because it's just, it's been such a long time coming. And I think it's just, it's just going to be such an amazing day and crossing that line. I can't wait to come back and tell you about it. Yeah, I can't wait to get you back on. So we'll do that and, and keep in touch. Just obviously the next couple of days are going to be busy, but I'll be following anyway. We'll get the pictures and we'll oh, get I'll you back all, on. all the pictures. I know you will. I know you will. <laughs> right. uh, so without further ado, I am going to hand over 
to our conversation with Joe Wilkinson. So Joe joined us, I think, a couple of weeks ago off the back of Alison's recommendation, and she is going to bring so much to the table in terms of advice, experience, and know-how in running. So without any more uh, chat from Alison and I, it's over to Joe. I'm privileged today to welcome onto the podcast a guest that identifies herself through her own Instagram as a marathon runner and coach. What she fails to mention is that both her running and coaching have taken her into the upper echelon of elite competition, representing Great Britain, competing in the Commonwealth Games and European Championships, and securing a top 20 finish at the London Marathon. Since retiring from elite competition, she has built Running Joe, a successful coaching business, working with a range of runners from everyday sloggers like you and I, through to developing future generations of elite athletes in her role with England Athletics. Welcome to the podcast, Joe Wilkinson. Oh, thank you. Wow, I'm blushing over that intro. <laughs> I'm so glad I got through it all. I was thinking the, the, longer, I, the, the longer I'd written that intro, I was thinking I'm going to trip up over something in there. But Joe, in the spirit of the show, I've done absolutely no research to verify this, but I'm fairly sure I can confidently say you're the fastest person I've had on this. So congratulations. What a huge achievement for you. Thank you. Do you know what? That is the pinnacle of my running career now. <laughs> absolutely. The, med- the medal's in the post. Look out for it. <laughs> Um, so the focus for today's episode is going to be around coaching predominantly, but I want to hear a bit about your running uh, journey as it stands now, because you've got, uh, you've probably got a few different caps you can wear to give perspectives on running uh, that, that I think people will get a lot from. But the, the coaching side of it is one bit that I'm really interested in coming into a marathon block, having spoken to people um starting the same thing and we're all probably asking each other the same questions so i think there's some insight to be gained there uh but maybe before we do start joe i've given maybe a couple of the highlights there maybe you could give the listener a a, a bit of a whistle stop tour or potted history of your own running career before before the coaching (laughs) how long is this podcast (laughs) as as long as you need (laughs) um yeah start right back at the very beginning actually and i was to say I never thought I was very good at running um because at school particularly primary school all you start with is sprinting and I'm really really rubbish at that I'm still rubbish at it now um so just thought I wasn't very good and then we had a teacher come in and and he made us run 800 meters and suddenly I ran past all these people that had sprinted off and beaten me and and thought oh hang on a minute this is great um and and that was really the start of it so uh I went down to my local athletics club and and ran as a child and again I, I say I, I finished with quite a you know pretty good success I suppose at 16 I was ranked third in the country over 800 meters so I'd done well but certainly it never came supernaturally you know it's something I had to work at and there was always somebody that was better than me that I was trying to beat um and then as I like to say I went to university and those were the party years that we gloss over nicely that involved a lot of drinking and not very much running at all uh, and then I met my husband, thanks to the London Marathon. I met him. We sat on the sofa watching the London Marathon about three weeks after we'd met. And he said, I used to be a good runner. And I, as I say, something deep and competitive stirred within me. And I said, I don't think you were as good as I was. And uh, felt obliged to prove this to him. <laughs> did, you say it, did you say it out loud to him or did you just think it? No, I definitely said it out loud. I <laughs> <laughs> love that. love that. <laughs> Which amazes me that we're still married today, <laughs> 25 years later. But at least he knew up front what he was getting into. Um, 
But yeah, as I say, I was still in the pub at that time, drinking in the party years. And he actually had finished his officer training for the military. So he was super, super fit. And I was not fit. So it did take a while to beat him. Um, but I did. And after that, we've never looked back. And the only time he's beaten me since was when I was pregnant. And as I said to him at the time, I could have beaten him, but I was protecting the life of our unborn child. That's why That's why you're still together. He's keeping you around long enough to beat you again. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so I, I mean, I got back into running, actually, thanks to him. And, um, and then just met my coach, a man called Alex Stanton and his wife, Rosemary, who also coached uh, that rather good one I call Paula Radcliffe. Oh, I've heard of, heard of her. Yeah, she's quite good, isn't she? Um, and they are the world's nicest people. And they retired from coaching this Christmas at the age of 87 and 81, which is really quite amazing. But Alex just was one of those people who I think is influenced on how I coach in that he just would say to anybody, you know, oh, you know, maybe you could do this, maybe you do that. And, and you know, just wanted people to improve. He didn't mind whether you were Paula Radcliffe or whether yeah. you were somebody that was still enjoying parties quite a lot. <laughs> you could you know, still get better. You could still get better. And um, so it was under him and under that, that this transformation from party Joe to um, running Joe came really. And then, as you say, sort of Commonwealth Games was my big breakthrough on the 10,000 metres and then uh, moved up to, you know, obviously across countries and, and London Marathon. And yeah, and still running now, although much slower. And you moved, <laughs> was it from 1,500 metres to to 10,000 was that the I jump did, yeah that's quite a yeah. quite a quite a difference <laughs> it's uh it's not as big as it sounds because I always did cross country every winter and obviously right. cross country is sort of 8k for women so coming off and and you know sort of did the occasional half marathon but was predominantly on the track it was always 1500s um so it wasn't quite as dramatic a jump as it sounds like, like I say I'd, I'd done a couple of road 10ks as well so uh yeah yeah but i did <laughs> do you know i was at you've you've touched on something i was thinking about just myself the other day about running at school i'm the same as everyone else i i had the drinking years and the disappearing from <laughs> I, I was playing football actually and drinking at the same time not not actually during the game but <laughs> copiously in between so running was never a thing until later but i, I recall the exact same experience of school where you were just put out and it was like just just run that was that was one of the few sports we were never coached in at school you were just we had an mm. athletics block every summer but you were just put out there to run and it would be trying to run 400 meters and dying because you'd no sense of pace <laughs> or, but i was coached in volleyball hockey football but there was no pipeline or anything like that for coaching athletics it, that's a as a miss I, th I think it probably still misses in school with that you get yeah. athletics but you don't get coached in it yeah, true. I think you get coached in the technical events, like, you know, throwing and jumping. Um, and it's, you say about the running, so it, it, um, oh, quite a while ago when I was running at my best, um, my son's primary school said, would I pace their fun run? And it was a 2K fun run. And I thought, oh, well, yeah. So I did this something like a 14 mile session in the morning and thought I'd rock up to the, the you know, the fun run because it was only kids up to age 10. So how hard could it be? Well, like you say, I totally forgot that they all sprint off at the start, yeah. don't they? And I told you, I still couldn't sprint, not, especially not after 14 miles, and literally they bombed off. And yeah. I was thinking, hang on a minute, I'm at the back here. <laughs> junior park run? Junior park run looks like the 100 metres off the line. <laughs> oh, my God, it was a nightmare. I just thought, how embarrassing is this? And then, fortunately, like you say, after about two, 300 metres, they all died. And then I was kind of like, 
Come on, kids. Yeah. You start to revel in picking <laughs> off seven-year-olds on the way around. <laughs> told you. But told you I'd catch you. <laughs> I know, that's it. See? Uh, but no, but what you say, as a coach, one of the biggest things that made the biggest difference to me and my athletics career and the success that I had was that I knew how to pace myself and I was really, really good at it. And actually pacing yourself is one of, I, well, I think it's one of the most important things you can learn because that will make the difference to how fast you run, actually. And so as a coach, it's something I talk about all the time for the people I coach. Um, you know, just won't stop banging on about it because, as you say, that's how you get this kind of free time. And we kind of learn that at children, but we don't ever sort of process it. And as you say, yeah. maybe teachers ought to say a bit more like, you know, Oh, a bit yeah. and, and <laughs> ironically it's one of the things as important as it is it get you'll only start learning it once you get kind of good at it and see the benefit so you don't start off particularly well i certainly didn't pacing it was always like I, even now in a 10k i struggle badly to get the first half right it's too fast or it's not fast enough and um but there's a there's a learn bit the more experience the more i've run I start to mm. feel what a pace is. I could do it without my watch now for some distances because I just know yeah. what that pace feels like. But at the beginning, trying to run that first 5K <laughs> like, as fast as you can to a lamppost and then hands on the knees, it's really tough. It's really tough when you just no sense of how fast you should be actually going or can be going. And I always say that to, to beginners or people that say they hate running or they can't run. I always say it is probably because you started too fast. You thought you had to run flat out from the start and you haven't really appreciated that you can run slowly at the start and get yeah. faster so um yeah <laughs> yeah and and I, I also read I, mean, I was looking into a bit of your background I think it was an interview you'd done with England Athletics on their website the fact that you you said you fell into coaching so it wasn't like the end of your own running then straight into the coaching was it I don't think that was the pathway no, no, not at all. And in fact, to, to refer back to my poor, long-suffering husband again, he said to me for years, you should take up coaching, you know. And I just was really insulted each time saying, well, I don't want to coach, actually. I'm still running. <laughs> yeah, and it was just a friend said to me, oh, I'm going to do a leader's course. You know, why don't you come with me? It's at the local leisure centre. And um, yeah, I just did. I really liked it. And then, but still, actually, after that leaders course, I, I took out, you know, set up a few different um, running groups for mostly for women and for beginners to kind of get women into running and, like I say, overcome this thing about I hate running or I can't run. Um, but still didn't really fall into the coaching fully. And then it was only because I managed to really badly injure myself through my own foolishness. Um, and at that point, an email dropped into my inbox from UK Athletics saying, we've got this athlete to coach program. Would you like to come along? It's for people, you know, to try and encourage um, people that run internationally into coaching in the sport. So it was just that fortuitous time, really. And then, yeah, all of a sudden that was it. I was hooked. <laughs> also good, though, that there's an infrastructure there where they can almost keep tabs on a previous elite athlete to keep that pipeline because that's easily missed that experience if there's not... It's not like football where there's a lucrative career round the corner for you and, and hundreds of opportunities. <laughs> so I, I would assume a lot of elite athletes fall into a line of work that's nothing to do with athletics when they finish. So it's good that there is some kind of infrastructure. Yeah, I mean, I think it could be perhaps slightly more structured, but that's mm -hmm. probably a whole different podcast yeah. and a whole different conversation. Um, but yeah, it would be good if we can get, you know, and now actually, again, that's one of the things I'm really passionate about is just trying to get the talent and the knowledge and the experience we have into athletics as a sport you know my heart actually really lies with track 
and uh, you know a lot of the coaching and, and running that goes on as we know is road um and so yeah it would just be great for me yeah. to again to kind of get a bit more emphasis on track and, and kind of really yeah improve the participation generally in track yeah but i know you're doing your bit there in terms of mentorship and organization of groups of coaches mm. as well sharing your professional learning so all, all of that is leading to infrastructure you're probably paving a road for people behind you that you won't see the fruits mm. of the labor until you're further down that path yourself yes i think <laughs> well, undoubtedly undoubtedly sometimes i think the best work you just don't see it until until later mm. so um can you give me a sense of the the range of athletes and abilities that you coach now within running Joe and England athletics or both? Yeah, um, certainly. So with in running Joe, I I suppose now when you start out as a, a running coach and you're, you're doing this business, you literally just take anyone, <laughs> anyone that wants coaching. Um, and so uh, over the time that I've been coaching now, over these five years, the runner I coach has evolved. And I think it's fair to say my coaching and my learning, my knowledge, has evolved as well so now I predominantly coach um female masters marathon runners there are some other people that do other events there are some men as well um, and there's a range of abilities but I think of the yeah most of the kind of the, the core kind of if you're going to really pick out a typical running joe runner um that's what they would be a, a woman usually who's come into the sport slightly older in later in life um maybe ran as a child maybe didn't often didn't often had no involvement in sport lived their lives you know had kids had a relationship had a job and then kind of get into it and I say a lot of them got into it through the kind of cakes and calories sort of route you know well let's just do our local 5k and see if we can get around and lose a bit of weight and earn a slice of cake and then again it's what I suppose I love most about that kind of runner is as I say a bit like I described to you with my husband it was that thing where this deep something deep and competitive stirs within and then they suddenly realize that oh actually I'm quite good at this and I never saw myself as good at this and then just amazing group to work with because so motivated really disciplined keep you on your toes all the time you know ask a lot of questions but I think that's you know again that's quite kind of fun and quite challenging as a coach and um, yeah just amazing at running I, I need to I need to laugh because you coached my friend Kirsten <laughs> and, and we did park run last week and Kirsten's husband ran past us both um, and he hadn't done much training and she uttered words that you would have been proud of she's like I can't believe he's going to beat me I'm going to beat him so she's got that same bit she's got that same thing driving her as I'm going to beat you she's coming back from she's coming back from a bit of an injury setback herself and, and being unwell as you know and yeah. but but she has that absolute burning desire I can see it to beat her husband I'm like I love yeah. that I love I that competitive edge <laughs> I was going to say more than practice a female marathon runner. I think most people I coach want to improve. And I think if you don't really want to improve, probably we don't get on. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. So, um, And I think there's all different types of coaches with different kinds of people. But having said that, actually, I do coach some people that, that probably would class themselves as beginners or fairly new runners. Um, so I still coach that kind of group of people as well, um, you know, which is quite nice. I, Again, that's the joy of just introducing people to running and trying to, you know, stoke up there. I would say I don't aspire that you love it, but I aspire that by the end you won't quite hate it as much. Yeah. <laughs> and if I can achieve that, then that's great. So I've got a group that I've been working with for a long time in London and uh, I work with a company and, and just um, 
you know some of them are really new runners again just trying to get around their first 5k but yeah they're, they're as fun actually to coach and as rewarding um as the ones that are really serious so a kind of nice range really <laughs> that's the group that asks you when it will get easier and it and it never actually does it just gets faster <laughs> there's one of them she's been with me for a while actually she's been with me with various different programs that i ran and she wrote on them i used training pics of the program and she wrote on there I actually really enjoyed this run. And I tell you what, I've, I've screenshotted it. <laughs> I up and said, you know what, if Ali admits she likes a run, my work here is done as a coach. <laughs> For, run 435. <laughs> I actually really enjoyed this one. <laughs> See, from my own running, so that's six years I've been running now. I don't, I don't know if this is because I've become a, a bit more serious about it in terms of just more disciplined in my training. But I didn't know anyone for four years that had a coach or maybe I just wasn't speaking to people about running as frequently as I do now. But I, I now see it a lot more frequently, runners at my own level and people I meet at park runs and just local races with a coach. Is it something that exploded a bit in terms of like casual, I would call them casual runners, just they're not running for, they're running out of the love of running, but they're now taking on yeah. a coach. I don't know really I mean I think you know again I only know from the governing body perspective and from England all bit I know yourself being Scottish mm -hmm. you know so I, I couldn't say what the Scottish numbers are but certainly in England our, our numbers of coaches have steadily increased um but I don't know you know whether that's how that's changed over the kind of Covid years um obviously I think Covid changed the way some people run in that they took some people away from clubs um mm -hmm. not yet so, so I, I don't know really. I, I'm not sure whether yeah. that's the case or not. <laughs> I just, I, I just feel like I've always known people that are running marathons, but only now. It's not, it's not uncommon at all for people I know running mm. their first or second marathon to say, "Oh, my coach has prepared this or that," and thinking, "All right, you've got a coach." And um, yeah, whereas I just don't ever recall having those conversations earlier. Maybe, maybe I just wasn't having that level of depth of conversation, mm. and. In your Instagram profile, there's a mixture on there of your own running, um, but there's also a lot of educational type content. You're sharing mm -hmm. your experience and you're sharing, and it's some of that's research-based, some of it is experiential type um, information you give out. What do you get back from your interactions on that kind of platform? Um, I love Instagram. <laughs> Me too. I absolutely love it. Uh, I was thought it's not really right to confess that, is it? But I say to people sometimes, I have the best job in the world. It is running, talking about running, watching people run and messing around on social media. I mean, how brilliant is that for life? Um, yeah, I really like Instagram. I started out and I think, you know, obviously you think about, well, I'm, I'm, you know, obviously starting a business as well as a coach. But what I found most of all that I enjoy about Instagram is the interaction and the friends I've made, genuinely made friends. And my husband doesn't understand it at all. He's like, I don't get it, you know. And he'll say, what are you doing? And I say, I'm just chatting with friends on Instagram. And I really like that. And there are people, you know, you, you had Alison on here on your first um, podcast. And Alison and I, you know, she's got her own coach, but we just chat all the time about running and all kinds of different things. And I just love that. I love talking about running. I love any conversation, any question anyone asks me about running, I'm happy to chat about it. And it's just a great platform for doing that. So yeah. I suppose that for me is, is yeah, just that community. It's just been, um, it's just really nice to be part of the running community again, I guess. 
it's not the same as every other aspect of social media. That community, I think, is it really, I, I've never come across like a toxic side of the running community online. I'm sure it exists and I'm sure it exists particularly for elite athletes and female athletes and in different guises, but the Instagram everyday running community is such a supportive place to be. So I completely understand that, especially yeah. if you just love to talk about running because who wants to hear that like in your day-to-day -day life you're much better to talk to each other and you know bore the people that are, enjoy being bored by running than, than others and i think the key to everything my, my philosophy in life and on social media is the same is, is also don't take yourself too seriously yeah. you know just be, be prepared to laugh at yourself be prepared to admit when you've messed it up totally and um and celebrate when it's gone really well you know you, that. you'll know that alison gave your your insta profile a shout out on her she episode did, she did so you know that was what was so lovely about uh the london marathon not the one in october the one before that was that i met allison for the first time and i met kirsten for the first time yeah. as well and it was brilliant just I, I met quite a few of the runners i coach so, uh, quite a few of them for the first time that year and um we were talking 2021 and uh yeah just kind of hanging around london going to different pubs to meet you know pub to pub to meet runner and then uh, finished up with Kirsten and Alison. My only regret was uh, that I had to drive home. So <laughs> that pub, to Otherwise, pub to pub sounded so promising there before you yeah, told me it that. It did, didn't it? I was really, uh, but I remember saying to them, I was like, if I don't go now, I won't get home tonight. And I haven't actually got anywhere to stay. <laughs> yeah, no, they're so, good yeah. people, really, really good people. And I know how much they enjoyed that weekend as well. And your work with England Athletics, I'm assuming that's a, a different beast in terms of the coaching the types of athletes and is it is the actual type of coaching different as well yeah it's very different so the the people that i coach the ones that i coach through you know through running joe so i coach i give them their whole program and obviously keep almost you know often in daily contact with people around the, you know every, every aspect really of their running and how tired they are or any niggles or anything like that and get to know them really well what i do doing in glass athletics is slightly different so i'm I work on the talent program on the talent pathway which has various different stages so i lead on youth talent which is 16 to 18 year olds and it's we deliver it on a camp basis so they come for three national training days per year and i basically um i oversee the whole kind of content of there's there's various different delivery sites for those um training days i oversee the whole content and then i actually deliver it myself in um, this year i've been doing it in loughborough so, you know, get the young people along. It's a two-year programme for them. So I see them in their first, you know, three days in the first year, three days in the second year. And just, yeah, go over different aspects of training with them. We introduce them to different training sessions, things like, you know, different intensities that they might train at, different recoveries. We do a whole load of stuff around warm-ups. We look at maximising recovery or potentially hampering um, recovery and adaptation. We look at heart rates. We look at strength and conditioning. You know, just kind of a broad, like I say, for that age, for 16 to 18, where you should really still be enjoying it. You know, you shouldn't be, they are serious and they really, you know, these kids really want to make it and really want to improve. But it's also just saying to them, look, you know, come along, have a really fun day, but also you'll learn something about your training and understand about why you do things. And hopefully that will help you go away and be a better um, athlete. And obviously, as I say, working with their coaches and you know, some of the coaches are phenomenally experienced, um, really knowledgeable and have nothing. I learn more from them than they learn from me. 
but there are also other coaches where you know they, they have, have found themselves in the amazing position of coaching a, a young talented athlete and but perhaps don't have quite as much experience so it's trying to kind of yeah support them share a bit more knowledge share a bit more expertise um so do that and then as I say I, I kind of help out as well on the junior talent days which is 18 to 23 roughly and again we kind of deliver two camps per year on that so again it's slightly more high level so we look at things like lactate testing um you know the last talent day we had a talk on altitude we had a talk on agents and sponsorship a bit of sport place force plate testing so you know slightly higher level of sports science and wraparound support and I think what I really like about that program is as well is that it's that understanding that running is running that's broadly the same there's not a lot that changes in your training it might be faster it might be slightly different on how it's put together you might do a bit more of it but then as you get more to those elite levels it starts to be what wraps around your training that really starts to make the difference and and just meeting some great young athletes and some amazing coaches yeah and you can do well i can even track that progression from that younger age group through to there um and what they're learning at that point because that is a formative point for runners that's in my conversation so far is that that tends to be the age people disappear from running yeah um through as you said it could be the pump that's calling (laughs) or but also opportunity and what what's your career pathway and in athletics it's not a sport that's as well funded nationally or centrally as some of the bigger yeah and I think the other thing that the the message I always try and get across to to those young people as well is that you know athletics is actually a late development sport we know that it's not one of those sports where you're going to be great or you might be great at 16 but it's not a great predictor of how you're going to be mid-20s and that's when you're going to be world-class if you are going to get to that stage but you may well have a dip particularly as you go through puberty boys can but you know I, I actually again I think girls sometimes are in a worse position because the impact of puberty is quite different on the female body so you know they can run amazingly well at sort of 14 15 and then really tail off as they go through that stage and, and change in in their um physical development but they may well come back even stronger but it's kind of it's really hard as well you know all of the other stuff the emotional stuff that's going on the life change you've got when you're sort of 16 to 21 you're leaving home for the first time making big educational decisions you know it's really easy to see why your performance drops off and then with it you know comes your obviously your enthusiasm drops off as well because it's quite depressing to we've all been there haven't we whatever level we are where you're just going through a plateau or a dip Mm -hmm. or a step back and you know I was trying to say to the young people look just try and keep in touch with the sport because you know these are just years to get through and then you really see you know how good you can be yeah. um so yeah it's a tough period yeah and i i've i see that i have seen that through a very different lens i was a head teacher in a secondary oh, school well, yeah um, definitely then you know <laughs> up until last year um so yeah not just in running from a running sense but i see so many talented committed young people very very good at what they do lose touch with the thing that they're talented in because whether it be not even peer pressure just what the group's doing or you become a bit more distracted by this or just school gets on top of them, life, mental health coming out of COVID. There's a, there's a hundred different reasons you can fall away from something you're good at at that age. And I think it's only got noisier and busier in that world. So I completely understand that. But as you say, keeping in touch with it and knowing that that, that little bit will pass. It's a very small window, but it's so formative at that age. Yeah, yeah. It, you know, I don't think, you know, I don't think 
at any stage in your life, maybe having a baby, but at any stage in your life, does your life change as much in terms of everything about it from that period of 16 to 21 as, yeah. as you know, compared to any other stage? So, you know, it's tough, but yeah, if we can just keep them in it and just keep enjoying it. And we, we were really fortunate at the last um, Youth Talent Day we had at Loughborough. We had Laura Waitman come along as a coach. Um, she's also going through a period herself where she's had a major knee surgery, but, you know, phenomenal athlete has been to the Olympics and things. And she turned up and it was quite funny because all the athletes and parents, you could see them saying, I think that's Laura Waitman. Is that Laura Waitman? What would Laura Waitman be doing here? And I introduced her. Oh, yeah, this is Laura. She's quite good at running. And, um, but the message, I think, I think the message they expected to hear from her was very different to the message she gave, which was enjoy it, you know, just relish it and get the passion for it and the enthusiasm for it. That's the most important thing. And I think when you hear that coming from someone like that who's been to a couple of Olympics, you know, hopefully that resonates a bit more and, and you know, connects with those young people so they will keep in the sport. Yeah. And it might be hard for them to see that enjoyment's a thing because they will always hear about what it takes and commitment and you must do this. But so, mm. so big for an athlete of that stature to say, enjoy yourself as well. That's as important <laughs> yeah. on your journey that we can miss that. But I, sometimes I forget to enjoy more running and only do it for fun. You know, just because you're just slogging through sessions or whatever, whatever it might be. My coach always used to say to me, you know, he'd say, this is just your hobby. If it doesn't make you happy. And I just say, Alec, it's not my hobby. I want to do this. I want to do that. And he's like, no, it's just your hobby. It should make you happy. I don't think I've got any other hobby where I've come home and looked at graphs for the next two hours about the thing I just did for an hour. <laughs> it's, it, becomes, it becomes an obsession. Like Strava has ruined my life. <laughs> look at my heart right there oh. what was that that was that, that was me crossing a road i'm like this is a hobby you ran 5k calm down so when i started running obviously it was so long ago it was before we had gps and i don't think i got my first gps until around 2008 by which time i'd already gone to the world cross country champs and i'd already run in the commonwealth games um up until that point and and we're on video so behind me you can see there's a whole stack of diaries where that's where i recorded my training you only knew how long the route was if you measured it on a map with a piece of string or you drove the car around it and yet miraculously even though none of this was on strava or garmin i still got really fit and ran really fast so i think sometimes i look back to those days thinking yeah there's a lot we got from it but i wrote on there felt terrible or felt great yeah, that was as far as my analysis perceived really exertion. <laughs> and now everybody runs with their hand out like that, just watching, watching their watch. It actually keeps me entertained. I do enjoy the geeky side of looking at the data. I don't know why. I absolutely love it. I'm I know. not going to so, lie. We're so sad. This is why I can't talk to non-runners about it because they would just look at you like you had two heads. You know, I'm going home to look at my data. It's yeah. Wild. So I, uh, it does make me laugh again. I keep mentioning my poor old husband, but like. I'll come in from a run and he'll say, how's your run? And I'll say, fine, you know, and then I did this and that and the pace. And he said, I just wanted to know whether it was okay or not. <laughs> and I <laughs> asked him, and he's a runner as well. And I say, how was your run? And he goes, fine. What, what pace did you run? What time did you do? And he's like, I just ran. Yeah. <laughs> there are only our two runs there, fine and not fine. It's maybe not a bad way yeah. to be. I think some, maybe he's got it right. Maybe we're the ones doing that incorrectly. So you, you've got that resource there you mentioned Loughborough that must be quite a privilege as a coach to have access to that type of environment and the resourcing that can go in a place like that I, I do get access to some great places and as I say some great people that I can have amazing conversations with um which is just 
you know, for me, when I set out, I wanted to be the best coach I could be. Well, I still want to be the best coach I could be. Um, but yeah, just that opportunity to talk, to, like I say, talk to different people, but also watch as well, you know, observe what goes on. And, and you realise as well that it's you can learn a lot from other people. So, you know, at Loughborough, obviously, because it's the, the British Athletic High Performance Centre, you've got jumpers and throwers and sprinters and just watching what they do as well and talking to those coaches about, well, why did you do this and why did you do that? And yeah, it's, it's a real, um, I just learn so much every time yeah. I go somewhere like that and meet those people. And everyday runners are in turn benefiting from that and you're learning when you're working with them, which is, which is a great thing. Oh, I hope so. And that's why I say I'll always have a conversation with one, about running with anyone. I think there'll be a significant proportion of runners for whom a coach is never going to be either a desirable mm. or attainable or achievable thing. Some of them might not even know it's an option. What advice would you give to somebody in that position that maybe wants to kick their running on specifically for maybe a time or for an event in terms of where to turn for help or guidance? Um, join your local running club. Essentially, a lot of running clubs are fairly cheap, uh, you know, inexpensive in, in the grand scale of other sports clubs to join. Uh, so even if and not, not every club has a coach, I appreciate, but there will be other runners there with a range of experience as well. So I would say always say to people, you know, go along, check out your local running club, because as you say, it's a great community a lot of the time as well. Yeah. So you do meet these like minded people who will be interested in what split you ran <laughs> and how many miles you did this week. Um, so I think start there that that's your best place to start and then you know you can look into if you then want something that's a little bit more individual and more bespoke you might get that through your running club or you might have to look somewhere else for that but um, definitely start start with looking up and, and you can um, look online um, and again I know England athletics do I'm pretty certain that, that the other home counties and um, home counties home countries do as well have you know find a club options yeah. any club that's affiliated will be on there yeah, that or go to Park Run. <laughs> undoubtedly, uh, Park Run. You'll see so many of your local clubs represented at your local Park Run. Mm. You'll see the vests, and you'll see. I I put that off for so long because of this, not feeling like I was enough of a runner yet to to do it. And oh. having been there now, like I wasted so many years just running myself, and I could have been getting that that social because bit I more than anything else. Yeah, and again, even if all you can do is walk around 5K, you know, because you go to Park Run, that's absolutely yeah. fine. And you'll find people that will walk around it with you and then you'll encourage mm -hmm. each other to, you know, get around a bit faster or build up your fitness just by going every week. So, yeah, Park Run, you know, that costs absolutely nothing for you to turn up and do it. But yeah. I think like everything, it takes courage to go the first time, doesn't it? Of course just, it does. Um, I think, you know, it's also such a welcoming just the whole setup and the whole community ethos of park one is is just something amazing yeah i think it's a huge gateway into believing you could join a club because as much as you, mm. you still have to get out the, the car the first time and walk up there but you won't find many places where the on the day feeling is more inclusive than park run every day no. is there and is encouraging that's less daunting to me than turning up to a club where everybody's matching mm. t-shirts and but then when you get to the club, you find there are people here running, you know, seven minutes a kilometre. There are people running at three minutes a kilometre. There are people walking. It's not what you think yeah. it is. And, and very few clubs are geared towards the elite athlete. They are or the higher mm. end. It's 
there's a range and as you said an inexpensive option I think the club I'm in is 60 pounds a year which in the, yeah. the grand scheme against something like a gym membership and we're getting mm. three four sessions a week out of that plus all the social side that goes with it it's um that is accessible yeah. so I, I couldn't agree more I think it's nice to hear from somebody who's coaching and has been through your experience saying the same thing that's yeah not everybody can afford a coach but doesn't mean that you you don't get that help if you want it before we move on to your current running from injury many of our listeners are starting marathon training blocks at the moment so that's been the <laughs> feedback so they heard Alison's they heard Jenna speaking about yeah. her marathon what sort of fundamental pieces of advice would you give to somebody maybe like myself that's heading into their first marathon um having previously trained in shorter distances or the odd half marathon so to distill it into just one or two fundamentals <laughs> Or you can right, have an so, It's up to you. I mean, I might need another podcast. Uh, right. So let me just say, I ran 35. I was 35 years old before I did my first marathon, which means I'd run for about 20 more than that, 24 years before I ran a marathon. And everybody said to me, oh, you know what a marathon's like until you've run it. And I thought, how hard can a marathon be? Um, and then I ran one, or rather I trained for one. <laughs> and I thought, oh, yeah, it's quite hard, isn't it? <laughs> it's a long way. So, <laughs> For everybody, whether you are aiming to run as I was aiming to run then, two thirty-seven, or whether you're aiming to run six hours, it's quite hard. Unfortunately, with training a marathon, training for a marathon, it's not just the time it takes you to do your long run, but you will also probably need an equal amount of time to lie on the floor. Hopefully, not just by your front door, but sometimes it might be by your front door. But if you can make some sofa or bed afterwards, that would be great. So I think, you know, it it can, you know, you get really tired. Those long runs are tiring. Um, but build up progressively uh, is is one thing. Practice pacing discipline from the very start of your training. So I always say, don't set off the first two or three miles of any run, but especially your long run, at the pace that you can run for two or three miles. Set off at the pace you can run the last two or three miles. And if you consistently get to the last two or three miles and you're slowing down dramatically, then next week you have to set off at that pace, you know. Yeah. So, you know, pace yourself, learn that early on because that will, you know, that will do wonders for how you actually experience the marathon on day. Practice your nutrition early because, oh my God, mm. eating and drinking, yeah? You think it's really straightforward. You've done it every day for your entire life. But when you do it while trying to breathe and run, it is a whole different ball game. And actually getting the stuff in your mouth is a challenge in the first place, let alone getting it then down into your stomach and hoping it doesn't come out and either keeping end. keeping it there, yeah. <laughs> So practice that sooner as well, because that can be a bit of a shock to your system. It's no good thinking, don't panic train. Don't think if I do a few more miles today, it will help me if it's at the extent that it breaks you. Because if you are injured, you will not run the marathon. So, you know, always accept that you'll have to probably do slightly less than you want. You know, and again, I said to runners, I said, oh, I I wish I'd done, you know, an extra whatever k of running or miles of running so yeah but if you had you might not be here and you yeah. couldn't otherwise you would have done it so yeah just but I'll it's take... fun it's worth it I, i'm taking these notes for <laughs> myself <laughs> predominantly I, I what did i do yesterday i thought i did i think i did eight miles yesterday and i ran through a sore knee for about the last 2k when i should just have stopped because what was i getting out the last 2k on a 50k week and also 
didn't take any nutrition out and that wasn't on purpose it's just again being used to running shorter distances and i'm thinking that's not that much further but i really felt it i felt very depleted by the time you got back and it's just not taking on enough and i should know this i have done i've done one half ironman triathlon so i've (laughs) but i always found nutrition much easier on the bike it's much easier to actually physically take it on board in your mouth and you can glide in the bike but running i've always found difficult to open it where you're moving and, and and keep it as you said not wear it around my beard for the next six weeks yeah or come out your nose or... yeah yeah like <laughs> the big crusty beard of all the gel like oh this is not a good look so but uh yeah there's the rest thing's difficult with a real life though and a family and all that you come back in and the selfish bit i think for most runners is i've been out the house now for maybe two and a half hours it's my turn for the kids or it's my turn so you just start right back on the hamster wheel yeah and you just you know i would say except that you have to give your children a lot of ipad time and sweets that's a a standard day for me joe if that's the key then i should be an elite athlete (laughs) can't wait for the scotland call up yeah i mean it's you know i should say i was never a full-time athlete i always worked as well Um, yeah so you know it is a challenge i guess you just have to plan these things and and i think you have to plan rest and recovery as much as you have to plan running um and see it as equally important because again otherwise you'll just be so knackered and and you won't be getting the benefit from the training that you're doing if you're too tired then you're not having that period of recovery during which period all your physiological adaptations take place so you know you can slog it all you can be clocking up these miles but if you're just so exhausted by the end of it half of those miles won't have benefited you anyway yeah, it, bog- it boggles, boggles my mind when the Olympics roll around and they're telling the backstory of an athlete who's a full-time GP and they're managing mm. these uh, these times and competing. It's That level of discipline is otherworldly, I think, to me, when I can't be bothered getting out for a 5K some days. Uh, <laughs> so I want to move on to your own running, Joe. So I know one of the last posts I saw of yours, it might have been your actual last post, was a sort of self-accountability post where you've tasked yourself with putting the work into strength and conditioning to return from an injury, which I thought was quite honest. And actually that gives me some hope when somebody of your level of knowledge can say, even I can get that wrong at times when you know what you know. You know, and I said to you at the start, didn't I, about, you know, admit when you got things wrong. And when I, one of the biggest penny that dropped and all through my running career, I worked with a physio and I mean, I had to apologise it to him when I started coaching for being such a terrible athlete because it was only when I was running and I was reading something and just this huge penny dropped about this. It was in a book I was reading and I've kind of referenced it before and I said this concept around just being too fit for your legs, which was always my downfall in that I just, because I wasn't the best, I had to train really hard and work really hard. And I had this great physiological energy system I had terrible biomechanics and so therefore what happened was I always broke down through injury and I just didn't do enough of that when I was a serious athlete and then I started coaching and a this penny dropped and I realized this and b I also thought do you know what as a coach it is important to me to lead by example and if you're injured all the time that's not a great example to be setting and so I just became really dedicated and did all of the things I wish I'd done 15 years before and was just, you know, always on my strength and conditioning. Great. Never particularly had done heavy weights, but a lot of body weight stuff, a lot of resistance band stuff, and really kind of always working on injury prevention. And then I can't really explain why, um, but we moved house uh, in November before last. 
and just I don't know what I don't I don't even know to this day yeah. why I let it happen but I just literally pretty much stopped it overnight I think it's because we moved somewhere amazing there were all these incredible hills to run up you know it was a new place and I didn't know anybody they're all just rubbish excuses um and I just let it all slip away and with knowing still knowing that I had these terrible bio, bad biomechanics you know they've, they've only got worse with age and just yeah prioritize running up a hill instead of uh doing all of that stuff and and kept having little niggles all year as well which is what even annoys me the most but I still didn't listen to those early warning signs no. and then managed to you know really badly not fully rupture my Achilles so you know thank god it could have been a lot worse but yeah definitely strained my Achilles and and so I've not run since the 9th of December and yeah I need to get back on it and I am yeah <laughs> so, I- I can imagine everybody listening to us right now nodding with their headphones in saying, I recognise that, I recognise that red flag, that red flag. But the thought of doing strength and conditioning will never, for me, be as appealing as the thought of getting out for a run. So that's where sometimes I think less of winning, you just have to suck it up yeah, and get it and done. You know, again, I'm embarrassed to say this as a coach, but as a coach, I do say to people, um, if I said to you, Ryan, that all you have to do to be a better runner is three times a week, go for an extra 30 minutes of running, you would find the time and go. 90% of us would find the time and go. 100%. <laughs> so, <laughs> lack of time is not the problem. It's, no. Yeah, it's lack of wanting. It, but... For me, it's just a lack yeah. of wanting to do it. I don't, I've never been interested in the gym, per se, for weights or anything like it. So it always feels like a bit of, it's a mental thing. It's a punishment. It feels like a punishment to me to be doing that when and I'm so stiff and I don't stretch it only gets worse as you say that you're in through the niggles I've been doing it for years but it catches up it always catches up yeah so I mean having said that so I am quite enjoying it. I've actually I am starting a weight program um partly because also I know again from the, all the stuff research and stuff I do as a coach that you know as a woman of a certain age heavy weights is is much more important now and will have a much better impact on muscle strength than the stuff that I used to do so so I'm kind of quite enjoying something new I'm enjoying a different challenge and yeah. I've got also I'm moving into kind of ultra running and, and this trail running and again you need to be strong for it I've, I've kidded myself for the last year that I was just running slowly or walking up hills so therefore I didn't need to have the degree of strength that I had before and, and I've sadly been proved that that's not the case so um, if I want to get out and do all of that running I want to do then I've got to do this this you know the conditioning and the weights in particular and and yeah just um it's something i'm not very good at so i quite like getting better at things i'm not good at i've <laughs> noticed the the transition in your profile towards you've referenced it two or three times now the love of the hills and the ultra and the distances ramping mm. up is that i know you, you've referenced cross country previously so the terrain won't be all brand new but is it something that is this new for you now is this a new stage of running or is this returning uh no it's a new stage of running it is a, again a bit like marathon running it's a completely different thing and it's something i fell into by accident so <clears throat> uh, before i moved a friend of mine uh persuaded me to do this 24-hour race and that was the first sort of extended thing i'd done and i kind of we did it quite in a quite relaxed way and did 50 miles over the 24 hours in sort of five mile loops and i kind of really enjoyed it and then forgot about it and then i moved where i live now i live on the edge of the cotswolds and one of the runners I coach said, oh, I'm doing this race to the tower. So I thought I'd better Google it and see what it is so I can make sure, you know, the coaching is appropriate. And literally it goes by my front door. It's 53 mile double marathon along the Cotswold Way 
went by my front door. And so it just seemed to get, I'm a great believer in things just happen. And I thought, oh, so I entered it as well. <laughs> well, imagine your coach running beside you, that's torture. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, not with him, not with him. Um, and I thought, well, you know, it's just an extended version. And again, you know, I read a lot around ultra training and all the rest of it. Um, and I kid you not, I, it nearly broke me. The last mile, I totally lost my marbles. Just that extended period of running. So it took us, I did it with my friend Daisy, who was awesome, who'd done a bit more ultra running. And uh, just, you know, that 15 hours of constant forward motion with massive elevation as well, up and down these huge hills in the Cotswolds. And like I say, the last one, I just totally lost it. It was dark. My Garmin died at the bottom of the hill. So I had no idea of how far it was left other than it was a mile left up this dark hill and I couldn't see any lights at the top and I just completely lost my marbles and so that is that sense of challenge you see it was like okay that nearly broke me but I reckon I can go away and do better next time (laughs) so I'm actually really annoyed that they're not running the race this year and I'm really hoping they do it next year but I've done a few more and and, yeah I've got a couple of other challenges coming up so uh, it's just something I'm never getting faster and I don't want you to get the violins out and start you know all being really sad and playing sad music although feel free to do that um because it's terrible i'm sorry i've just looked at your i've just looked at your pbs there (laughs) and i'm seeing that you're not getting faster and i can i can tell you hand on heart that i don't care okay (laughs) right so when when we're talking about like sub 16 minute 5ks the little violin will not be coming out for you (laughs) that's what i mean i mean it's a bit of a liberty isn't it to say i'm not getting faster but i i thrive on a challenge and just running a marathon ever slower every single year because every marathon i've got got run has now got slower um really doing it for me so uh we found something that was really hard and i wasn't good at and so therefore i'm going to be good at it (laughs) I, i interviewed jamie ramsey through the week there the adventurer runner don't know if you're familiar mm. with him Seventeen thousand kilometers he ran from vancouver to buenos aires yeah. in a year like, i might not do that yet <laughs> like, what, are you, what are you doing i mean a whole interview and really all i wanted to say was but why just why want to do something that you don't know you're going to succeed at because surely that's the challenge isn't it take up the unicycle i don't know there must be better <laughs> ways joe than, than that that's so time consuming his, I won't tell you his nutritional stories and trying to keep the food down. That's a whole different. You can you can listen when that episode comes out. Uh, um, so before I take you into quick fire questions and your song that you've chosen for the playlist, which I know has been a source of consternation for you, I want to just ask about running Joe and what progression looks like for you on that front um, in your coaching life and in your coaching business. So. What would be next oh, wow. there? Is that expansion or is it different groups or is it just that continuity of high level of service? What what What's next for you? Um, I don't know because I'm at a real point. Uh, you really put me on the spot there <laughs> out of all the questions. Um, when I started out, I honestly thought, would anybody pay me to coach them? And um, I was really surprised when they did <laughs> and it grew. And it's been a fantastic journey and I love it. Um, but yeah, you've probably sensed I do like a bit of a challenge and it is trying to think what next. I very not expansion in the terms of coaching more people. It's really important to me that I know the people that I coach really well and I coach them in a way that I consider to be professional and credible. And, you know, it's individual to each person. So that limits the number of people that you can coach. Yeah. Um, so that side of it won't grow. 
but there's definitely other stuff I'm doing around looking at trying to support other coaches and potentially help them, you know, develop and learn and, and build their experience in coaching. So that side of it, I think, is where it will grow a bit more is, is working, as I say, to perhaps support other coaches rather than coaching runners, yeah. if that makes like, sense. Like continued um, professional learning type support and, yeah. and ne network. Yes, yeah, no, that's, that's, good. that's exciting. It's all sort of just sort of trying to, you know, I'm just sort of trying to map that out at the moment, really. And see, I wrote a business plan when I started, and it was a five-year business plan. And, and you know, it's really nice to be at a position where I, I far exceeded my own expectations in year three. So, yeah, this is really just trying to sit down and, and kind of reflect, yeah. well, what else would I want to do um, and how else could I grow it in other ways? I will never stop coaching people because I absolutely love that side of it. Um but yeah, and, and like I say, that has to kind of be be limited because of, of the amount of time that it takes. And, and obviously, you know, I do the other stuff. I do the England athletics work as well. I'm doing some England team coaching stuff for them. I really like that. So you say potentially, I think coach mentoring might be where it goes. And what about your okay. own? What about your own running when you get back to fitness? So um, yeah, so this this doing a Lake District run, a Great Lakeland three day event in may which i have to be honest they, they gave me a place and i said i never expect instagram freebies and then they wrote to me and said would you like to, do, you, do you fancy doing something completely different and i had a chat with them and, and they run dragon back as well the race in wales and all this and anyway it turned out in this conversation um that i had no real nav experience navigation experience in the, in the high mountains um, i'd never run a ridge and i've actually never ever camped in my entire life so um, we figured that probably doing something like Dragonback where I might die wasn't a good thing. So we, she said, oh, do, this, do the Lakeland three day, you know, it will introduce you to running in the Lake District. So uh, I thought we'd do that. And then just we, we went to the Lake District in, in September and my husband and I remembered this amazing book we read called Feet in the Clouds, which I totally recommend reading uh, if you fancy getting into obscure running. And they, that's really talked about the Bob Graham round. And so I think Dave and I have got aspirations to, to do the Bob Graham round. I don't think I'll ever manage it in 24 hours, but just the whole achievement. So it's 42 of the highest fells in the Lake District um, within a 61-mile loop. And obviously, if you, the aspiration is you do it in less than 24 hours. So that's kind of a long-term project because um, you really got to recce it. So we've only recce yeah. leg one and about six miles of, of leg two, uh, which we did this weekend. So that's where I kind of fly, I think. And for anybody that obviously can't see Joe because you're hearing this in the audio, she said that she doesn't think she could ever do it in 24 hours and her face said something completely different. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just so you know I'm going to share that with you. I could see already the cogs going, but I probably could if I just do it. <laughs> That's why I'm on the wait to see. That's the motivation. Uh, there's a the method behind that madness. <laughs> I just, I, I'm quite attracted to the things that might kill me halfway. <laughs> I might succeed or I might die. I mean, that's where I am now. <laughs> There's not one bit of it sounds appealing. The whole thing just sounds disgusting to me, but I'm going to get through one marathon and get back to 5K. Joe, I've absolutely loved the conversation and, and, and picking your brain. This is really just a, a ruse to get free coaching for myself. So I appreciate you uh, humouring me on that, but you know you're not getting off so easily. I do want to ask you a few quick-fire questions before we finish and then get your song. Are you ready to go? Ready. Right, okay. So just gut instinct here, whatever comes to mind first. So first question, favourite running shoe of all time? I'm really old-fashioned. I, I don't. I actually have a pair of vapor flies up there that I've never worn. Um, 
got him bought for Christmas the year before last, and I was. Um, oh, just, you know, oh, gosh, <laughs> I have no idea. I'm not really a shoe person. Did you run barefoot <laughs> sandals, Crocs? No, I just wear shoes. So I would, I would just wear Adidas boots at the moment. I'm going, to, really ed- I, I'm going to edit Crocs in for that answer. <laughs> favourite favorite training route? Training route. Oh, where I live now, the Cotswold Way. It's amazing. Best running related book or podcast you've read or listened to? Uh, book. So I would say Feet in the Clouds that I mentioned earlier. It will get you into um, just a whole crazy different world of running. <laughs> I'll add the link to it. Proudest running moment? I'm actually going to put a caveat for you just because of what you've done. Proudest running oh. moment that wasn't an elite race. Oh. Um, oh. Because everybody, well, go- no. everybody can Google your proudest running moment. <laughs> so I would say, actually, um, yeah, finishing Race to the Tower when I'd lost my marbles and wasn't sure I was going to make it. That This might be the same answer. Worst race or running experience? <laughs> Actually, can I change the one before? Of course. The one before. So I also did off, a company called Off the Tarmac. I did their 30 miles up Penny Fan and back down again in October, uh, November. And I had been injured and I was going to power hike it. And then I managed to perfect this ultra shuffle. And actually, my husband was running and he honestly thought he was going to beat me and I beat him. So that's my current running moment. And worse, I would say you back to the race of the tower. <laughs> there you go two, two for one there's that competitive edge you can never take that out of someone oh well your question again is going to be different here so this is ultimate post-marathon refuel meal or drink but i suppose oh. ultra meal that must be even more no, no, dreaming about it for marathon as well no red wine and chips with loads and loads of salt on the chips that's no that's the i can get down with that kind of training <laughs> that was even my best marathon that was it all i aspired to was massive plate of salty chips and a glass of red wine that might sustain me around edinburgh (laughs) one one inspirational instagram profile you never skip by so he is quite uh i suppose yeah high profile steve magnus i think he's absolutely brilliant as a coach i really like him and i like his philosophy on coaching so yeah perfect i'll link to that as well run with or without music oh so this is why it's controversial about the playlist always without never run with music even training why would you Uh, because (laughs) have you ever heard me breathing during a run um best ever single piece of running advice you have been given or could give enjoy it favorite park run oh tetford oh i've not tell me a wee bit about that what's that course like uh it's the first party run we ever did we did it as a family for a couple of years then we moved away and moved back again um and did it again and just it's so community orientated it's really embedded within its local community it's terrible it's got this three different loops of which you do two laps of each loop so it's really complicated and you get tourists there who come to the local centre parks and if they're winning they always get totally lost <laughs> it has this meadow in the middle that sucks the life out of your legs but it's where i've done most of my park runs and just the community spirit in setford is above and beyond any other park run i've ever done so it will always be my favorite oh, that sounds great finish this sentence i press play and run because or you don't press play you just run because <laughs> uh it makes me happy 
No, but can't think of a better reason than that. Now, you might not be listening to this song whilst you're running because of your no music, but you can listen to it in the car on the way there or the way home. So one track that you wouldn't be doing without on your playlist relating to exercise, even if not running. So this is what I was singing. I do sing extracts in my head all the time. <laughs> and mostly I get the words wrong um, because I kind of manipulate the words into something that inspires me. Uh, so my one thing that I would always play, um, because it was playing, you didn't let me say what my best running time was, which was when I ran the trials and qualified for the Commonwealth Games in, the Man- in Manchester in the 10,000 metres. And on the way there, Plugging Baby was playing by Muse. And I had that song going round around my mind, but completely the wrong lyrics, which I sang to myself, keep plugging baby, crucify yourself, even when you're tired of running. And that is what kept me going. So that's why I love that song, even though that's not even the lyrics. Well, brilliant. Not only did you get the song in, you also got your best moment in because that competitive bit of you would not be defeated and you were getting that in there anyway. Think of the next poor guest who I say your best running moment, they're going to say a 5k and you're talking about qualifying for elite competition. This is a podcast for everyday runners, sorry about her. I can only apologise. No, no apology, no apology uh, needed. It's been an absolute privilege. I already knew the type of person you were through the people that you coach that I know, so through mutual friends, they speak so highly of you, but I have thoroughly enjoyed it. The time has flown here. Um, and I'm not even going to make an attempt to edit us down. This will be whatever length this conversation was. So thank you so much, Joe, for your time. It's So many people will take so much from what you said, I'm sure on different levels, but more than anything else, it's just been lovely to connect with you and to hear a bit about your journey. Oh, thank you, Ryan. And I do appreciate you making an exception and letting me on. You're an everyday runner now. It might be that you run four well, days I at am. a time, but you're now an everyday runner. This is it comes to you all eventually. It does. I am definitely middle of the pack these days. Uh, yeah, but the pack runs for three days at a time, so not quite the same. Um Joe, I wish you all the best coming back from recovery and your races and I will be keeping an eye out. I'll I will link everything. I'll link the book you recommended, the profile you recommended, and your own Instagram so I would encourage everybody to follow Joe it is essentially some free coaching so get yourself involved cool thanks ever so much thank you to you the listeners for joining us for another episode of the press play and run podcast You can really help to support the podcast by subscribing or following on your podcast platform of choice and by leaving a review. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Press Play and Run Podcast and to add the Press Play and Run playlist on Spotify. We'll be back every two weeks with new episodes and please be sure to keep an eye on our Instagram page to find out which guests will be joining us. Until then, keep getting the trainers on, press play and run.